You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You are now entering Magnified Studios. Welcome. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents It's Hard to Find a Podcast. Covering your favorite indie bands from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Put your tape decks on record. I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. Woo. Season two. <laughs> season two. Season... <laughs> um, season four, episode two. Uh, talking Pedro. Mm-hmm. And... John and I have been very excited texting about how excited we oh, are. Man, this album, not to spoil any takes, but it's pretty good, everybody. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. Um, pretty good. Pretty... I got my Pedro hoodie on. I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Um, yeah, I'm I'm having to, I'm finding I'm, that I'm having to balance out my listening and deep dive into Pedro with... Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some other, more upbeat stuff. Some more upbeat stuff to stuff that's not about murder suicide. <laughs> yeah, fewer fewer things about about uh, corruption and the devastating uh, ends of relationships and murder yeah, and you know that, yeah. that sort of thing. So yeah, that tracks. Yeah. So John, uh, we have some special guests already mm. in the second episode of the season. We have some special guests coming up. Who we got coming yes. on in a little bit. We have Cortland Coffee and Megan Crozier from the Thereafter podcast, uh, talking their relationship to Bazan and Pedro and the scene uh, from some of their conversations they have over on their great pod. So look forward to that in a bit this episode. Yes. But you know what? First, John, we mm. got to get to some voicemails. Ooh, that's right. We uh, have a voicemail line, 872-762-4763, 872-7MAGPOD. If you right. want to leave us a voicemail or if you uh, want to just send us a voice memo and then mm-hmm. email it to us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. Some people uh, choose to do that to uh, usurp or not necessarily usurp, undermine the uh, the system <laughs> that we've put in place with the voicemail line. Look, uh, sometimes, the, you know, the beep uh, makes people stressed out and they panic. True. So you they, know. that is true. Uh, people are like, I don't, I don't like this three minute limit. <laughs> right. I don't, well, I don't like. The let's const- let's try and let's try and stick close to that, even with the voice memo. <laughs> I know. They're like, <laughs> I don't like the constraints and the stress of it. Um, but we have our boy Brian Cambra, hmm. the Rudy, the Rudy librarian, librarian, Rudy librarian himself, hmm. calling in. Uh, he sent us a voice memo, um, and he wanted to talk about the secret of the easy yoke. Okay, I have to respond to some of what you guys were saying in re- in regards to the song "Secret of the Easy Yoke," um, because I am so there with you, Andrew, especially. Um, so I went to a Bible college called Christ for the Nations Institute, and the first semester at Christ for the Nations Institute was amazing. I spent the whole semester, like really like spending a lot of time reading my Bible and felt very intimate with God and um, was deeply like moved. And 
Then basically the entire second and third semester that I was there, I hated that place so much and I was so frustrated and all the advertisements for that place had um, pictures of these kids like sitting in the grass playing bongos for some reason, <laughs> really, really happy, uh, which it was against the rules to sit in the grass there anyway. And I just remember being like, why are they happy and I'm not? And I felt so much like I was not Christian enough at the, mm -hmm. at this at this Christian college, and and it sort of culminated for me in this one day. Now, obviously, I, I I'm a charismatic Christian, and this was a charismatic Bible college, and uh, they had one of those services where they were like, if you want to pray in tongues, then come forward. And of course, if you're charismatic, like you've been led to believe that praying in tongues is like the number one way that you show that you are in a relationship with God. Like if you're not praying in tongues, then do you even have a relationship with God? And I went forward for prayer and the, one of the, the faculty members prayed for me and said, just, you know, just open your mouth and let it out. And I opened my mouth and nothing happened. And he was like, well, if you're not even going to try, then forget it. And it left me. Wow. And I was so hurt by that because I really, really wanted this gift, you know. And then another pastor came over and asked me if anyone had prayed for me. And I said, yes. And I said, but not, you know, nothing really happened. And so literally the exact same thing happened. Like basically in the end told me, if you're not going to try, then forget it and walked off. And so for a full year, I was at this Bible college wanting to love God well, wanting to be a good Christian and feeling like I was something else and everyone else had it all together. And so I, I definitely resonate with some of what you were saying, Andrew. And I, it also reminds me of what John has talked about a lot, which is not... I feel like, John, you've talked about how you didn't necessarily have that like roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And... Um, because you weren't so concerned with being like on fire for God. And I think that that language of evangelicalism, like if you're on fire enough, it can be very damaging and very dangerous. Mm -hmm. So I really love Secret of the Easy Yoke because it speaks to that. Also, I forgot to say that this is Brian Canberra, the Rudy Librarian, and Magpot for Life. <laughs> yes. That's uh, how you close out a traumatic memory. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank I'm. You, Brian. I felt myself getting emotional listening to that because mm -hmm. it is so devastating and heartbreaking to hear that yeah. because you, here you are going up to ask for prayer. They don't know what you're coming up to ask for prayer for. Mm -hmm. And to feel this, like so many things happening all at once, the sort of like shame and embarrassment abandonment and maybe uh, like anger or confusion like and then let alone whatever you needed prayer for and then this is this also just reminds me of that other pedro song about like <laughs> i forget the name of the song about going going to the the church and then like and like uh and suspect then, fled the scene yeah suspect fled this fled the scene uh, like you're like you came here for help and then you're getting turned away or like people right. talking shit or talking rumors or whatever. And yeah, you know, they're, they're shooting to kill and mm -hmm. like, that's just so horrible. And that, yeah. it's, I'm so sorry that yeah. you experienced that, that, that makes me so angry and so sad. Yeah. 
thank you for sharing that, Brian. Um, I mean, I that the charismatic experience is not one that we necessarily have a ton of uh, direct experience with, but I have had plenty of friends come from that tradition. I feel like a lot of them have talked about in the same way, Andrew, that you were saying with our like college worship services, feeling the like expectation or the pressure to sort of performatively worship right. kept you from connecting. There was a weight of expectation that you would get these spiritual gifts, like speaking right. in tongues. And so people felt pressure to fake it or it turned them off or, you know, like that's some seriously traumatic um, sort of like manipulation that, yeah. that they're making kids go through. And it reminds me of yet another Bazan song. Uh, this is a solo a Bazan song, Permanent Record, where he says, I was trembling with goose flesh the first time I prayed to speak in tongues. I saw it coming, but man, I tried to run, but now I make it up as I go along. So it's kind of like this acknowledgement of like, you knew it was, uh, I'm not saying that it's like, you know, fake for everyone. I'm not, I'm not here to <laughs> talk about people's spiritual gifts and how they worship and whatever, but like, if, if you're sitting there and you feel the pressure of it and you're like, I know this is fake and I wish I right. could leave this, but I can't. So I'm going to fake it. Like what a great way to start out a relationship that is unsustainable, you know? Right. So anyway, I am sorry on your behalf for that. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah. Makes sense that you love that song as much as we do. Yes. Um, we also have uh, another Brian. Yes. Too many Brian's. Hey, John and Andrew, this is Brian calling from South Dakota. I missed you guys. Uh, so excited about season four. It's been a while. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I'm very excited about season four. And uh, I, I don't really know a whole lot by Pedro the Lion, a song maybe here or there, um, but I'm hearing a lot of these songs for the first time. And so exciting to hear them, but also to hear your take on them. I wanted to voice my support for the winner segment. Uh, I think it's a great idea. I know change is hard, uh, but people <laughs> I, think, I think will learn to love uh, this new segment. Uh, in the spirit of change, wanted to throw out uh, a suggestion. Uh, if you guys are looking for other ways to mix things up here in season four, mm. uh, prayers for the pit. Uh, you already <laughs> built that segment into uh, episode one, whether you intended to or not. But I loved it. I love the energy as you were riffing different, different prayers for, for the pit. And I think you could unpack a lot of different themes, lamentation, gratitude, uh, forgiveness. And so, yeah, give us some more. We, we love it. And I think we give a lot of us who miss maybe the punk rock edge in season three that they're clearly not going to get in season four. Mm. Uh, it would give us an opportunity to keep a foot in the pit and that would be awesome. Love you guys. <laughs> love what you're doing. Magpod for life. Yes. Um, out Thank you, buddy. Outstanding <laughs> yes. suggestion. Hashtag prayers for the pit. Hashtag prayers for the pit. Yeah. Send in your prayers for the pit. I mean, it, it's sort of, it's sort of true. The, you know, if you guys, uh, listeners, if you didn't catch last week's episode, um, yeah, John and I were riffing on a, a what a sort of a punk rock church, I guess, would look like, and just uh -huh. sort of you yeah, know, that that's what you wanted to do. That's that's what how you <laughs> envision church was having, you know, uh, opening up the pit, and then that's right. But yeah, prayers for the pit. That could be, you know, that's different. Pretty good. This you know, this week the... I'm, uh, I'm lamenting whatever, or this week I'm yeah. <laughs> I told the. <laughs> I told Jenny about our, our riffs. So many you know, lamentations, bro. <laughs> so many lamentations. 
that father god i just want to lift up uh, the shoe <laughs> I, I told jenny about our prayers for the pit and she was like father god i just feel like i'm going in in the motions god circular motions like the circle pit let's all get up the circle pit <laughs> so she gets it if you have a prayer for the pit you throw it in there yes please uh, do <laughs> um all right we have uh we have a boy we had too many brian's now we have too mm. many dannys we got danny leary hey this is danny one of too many dannys uh <laughs> it's very early in the morning right now i have been up oh, so, so sad so early <laughs> anyway uh just finished the first page of the Lion episode, and I have many thoughts, but I'll just focus on this one, because it goes back to some calls I've been sending you over the last couple of years. Um, from your discussion on Of Minor Prophets, first of all, I had no idea what Bible story it was based on, so I learned that from you guys. I'm like, oh, cool, okay. But then you kind of discussed and posited, like, what is David saying with this song? Like, is he saying this is a fucked up relationship to end up having with God or the church or whatever? Or is he saying this is uh, proper, at least from his viewpoint at the time, you know, from the point of view of the prostitute and all that stuff. But going back to all that, like, Jackson Pollock talk I was talking about months ago, years ago, whatever. <laughs> um, to me, David Bazan as long as I've been listening to him. And I don't really listen to him much anymore because it's too depressing and I can't take it. But um, <laughs> I've always seen him as an artist that only asks questions, right? Mm. Only asks questions and doesn't give you answers. And especially because every band you've talked about from the history of this show, from MXPX and Five Iron and every band in season three, gives you answers or tries to give you answers or that's their point they're like here's your salvation you've been looking for an answer here's your answer the answer's in the question and David Bazan I like when I connected to his music early on it was not like I'm finding answers in his questions I find not finding answers in his songs I'm finding only questions and then I find the answers hmm. so when I hear of minor prophets I thought it was just some like old-timey story. I literally wasn't sure it was a Bible story. To me, it was like, do you think, it's like asking me, do you think this story's fucked up? Do you think this story makes total sense? That's the question. So, like, that's yeah. how I perceived it forever, and that's how I perceived uh, most of David Bazaar's music. And, of course, I'm sure if I look at the whole EP or other stuff, there might be, like, songs that uh, do try to supply answers. Um but that is my, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a pun for like lion, like line. That's my lion in the sand. Uh, it's kind of early. <laughs> oh man. That's very well said, Danny. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I totally agree. I feel like my favorite kind of art, whatever art it is, is the kind that is helping, helping you figure things out on your own you know not giving you everything but asking some questions and, and prompting some how do i feel about this so yeah I, I think that's a fair read on what the song is about great observation killing it killing it danny <laughs> starting off the season with a very strong voicemail and we got our boy jason from la hey guys what's up it's jason from la been a while since i've called in uh as the kids say it's been a minute Mm. I'm calling mainly because you guys took a giant shit on the whole EP uh, album, <laughs> uh, which 
you guys asked if anyone liked it to I don't I don't think <laughs> I don't I think, don't think that's exactly that's what a, we did. a fair assessment. I think we took more issue with Mr. Hole Fixin' Man. I think that was our <laughs> our main takeaway that we yeah, we did riff on Mr. Man. <laughs> Hello, my baby. But yes. you know, but I mean okay. It's not. Uh, it's my. It's my least favorite Pager album by a mile. Uh, right. And I think that most people would probably agree with that. But like I said, I know it is really important to a lot of people, including Jason and folks yeah. on the Discord weighed in and said they really liked it too. So you know, maybe we're jerks. Again, I I came to a lot of the stuff late, but right, so right. I'm coming at the things like with a very clean, very clean sort of approach where I yeah. I'm judging things like, uh a little bit more objectively just based on my musical preferences and not so much nostalgia. So I don't know. Uh, but so far it is not of the albums I've listened to. It is not my favorite, but I don't, I don't hate it. I wouldn't sure, say right. that I, no. I took a giant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jason. <laughs> but Jason, he continues. But you guys know, uh, I love that album. It's kind of my gateway into indie rock emo. Uh, when it came out, uh, I was going to a, a big church. They had a, a bookstore there at the time, and they told me, oh, we have to pull this CD because they sing about shooting up heroin. So uh, most Christian bookstores are pulling it. So he's been getting pulled from Christian bookstores since that album. Yeah. So they asked me if I wanted it. I was like, sure, I'll take it. And during that time, I was strictly hardcore. I mean, I was the most hardcore. My nickname was Hardcore Jason at the time. And I was like, okay, I'll check it the out. Rules. And I really liked it. And it opened me to listen to the bands like Sunny Day Real Estate, Mineral, The Apple mm-hmm. Cast. Um, yep. That album's always had a special place in my heart. Um, also, uh, there's an artist named Sherry Youngward. She covers the song Hole. Uh, hmm. Hole she covers. Uh, she does cover uh, a Pedro the Lion song. She's probably the only artist that's ever covered the Pedro the Lion song. Uh but it's nice. I'm so excited for this season, guys. Pedro the Lion is one of my favorite. Uh, I've been ever since you guys announced it. I've just been looking forward to it. So uh, you'll be hearing me a lot this season. Uh, yes. So Magpie for life. And oh, by the way, I heard "Good and Plenty" is a candy surgeon hell. So you guys take care. <laughs> Man, I took a giant shit on Hole. He took a giant shit on Good and Plenty. <laughs> I get it. Makes sense. Hardcore were... <laughs> Jason is in his feels. You were, uh, people were taking a giant shit on you on Twitter about your. Oh, we'll, we'll discuss that at some point. Okay. <laughs> okay. Look, so, okay. So I was at Whole Foods yesterday and I was looking uh-huh. at the Jenny's ice cream just to they see. They don't have it in the stores. They, yeah, they didn't. You got to go to the Jenny shops. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a Jenny's shop in the Twin Cities or not, but. Mm, I'll, um, I'll bring you a six pack. <laughs> Yeah, so we're talking about the Jenny's Everything Bagel Ice Cream with with bagel gravel in it, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which everybody was like saying this is a cursed description, mm-hmm. but yeah. apparently everybody's wrong. Um, yeah, everybody's wrong. We'll, we'll, we'll get there later. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so Jason, uh, we do not mean to... Um, you know, take a shit on your, you know, your favorite Pedro record. Um, but I think it's so, it's so absurd to me that like, this is why so much of Christian rock and Christian art is, is mocked because they want to, 
have everything so sanitized and safe. Mm-hmm. We they can't even like talk about an issue without it being like, oh no, we can't. We can't even have somebody talking <laughs> right. about heroin yeah. or drugs right. or whatever. We have to only talk about how yeah, Jesus yeah. is great. Right. And so, even when it's like a, a pretty sort of like evangelical take on heroin. <laughs> I know for real. That's that is that is such a bummer. Yeah. We kind of posited though that this might have been kind of how Jason described like an, a gateway uh album for folks. So I could see that this would be like if you heard it early on, if it was sort of a window into a world, that it would retain this, you know, sort of important place for you. Like I said, yeah. I didn't come to it until a lot later in his discography. So it didn't really I feel that way about like it's hard to find a friend. So yeah. Yeah. And it's it's got some yelly bazan on there. So I can understand why it might be a gateway yeah. for for some people. Absolutely. What's that I hear? A little foley action. Some banging around. Wow. He sounds a little sad. <laughs> Are you cry cackling? <laughs> oh, good. He just come back. <laughs> he punked us. <laughs> <laughs> that's it phantom cackler <laughs> oh, there was a little mm-hmm at the end <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um phantom cackler uh, d- a delight to have you back i'm glad you you weren't crying there uh, the yes we were we were a little concerned about your emotional well-being that you were <laughs> listening to pedro maybe you were a little yeah. sad <laughs> he was in his feels yeah we should say that the uh the google translate of your voicemail just says well <laughs> that's the one word it decided it could yeah that's the uh, one word that. your sigh was translated as well <laughs> well it's a perfect sort of distillation of a, a phantom cackler message just you know something from beyond our realm yeah. speaking of phantom cackler yeah yeah got some of that phantom cackler merch oh it's available shit. over in our store envy shop magnifiedpod.storyenvy.com check it out we got- we'll, we'll say more at the end of the episode but yeah uh, yeah but we want to we want to shout out our boy dustin kent Absolutely. Original artwork of mm. the Phantom Cackler um, yes. that he has gifted us to put on Magpod merch. So, yes. And it's got like a minor league baseball team sort of yeah. <laughs> vibe to it. So, absolutely rules. It, it is outstanding. So, why don't you go check that out? Um, those are our voicemails for the week. All right. Well, Thanks, everybody. Thank you all. Continue calling in, weighing in with your thoughts. Um, your thoughtful thoughts, even. Your thoughtful thoughts um, and your thoughts and ideas. Yep. And let us know, uh, you know, how you're progressing as we go through these records. It's always fun to hear what folks think of each one. Um, but Andrew, in the meantime, mm. we got some thoughtful thoughts from some guests today. Let's, uh, let's head over to that interview before we get into the Excel Winners Never Quit. What do yes. you say? Let's do it. Well, Andrew, this week on Magnified Pod, we are very excited to welcome Megan Crozier and Cortland Coffee. They are the co-hosts of the Thereafter podcast, uh, a space where they're exploring life on the other side of faith change. Uh, Megan also has the Pursuing Life, a community she leads where it's kind of a, a place of connection for travelers on a faith or post-faith deconstruction journey. Um, they're having really interesting conversations in those spaces. Uh, we've sort of been DMing for a little while about how we might intersect at some point. Um, but I thought in particular with some of the 
Pedro and Bazan discography and some of the places it goes, it would be a good jumping off point to talk about faith journeys uh, and the communities you are all part of and how Pedro and Bazan have sort of intersected with each of you in different ways. So can you tell us a little bit first about the communities that you're representing? Yeah. Um, thanks for having us on the show. This is yeah, exciting. Yeah, we're stoked to be here. Yeah. And um, Corlin and I met in an app called Clubhouse. I don't know if you're familiar with Clubhouse, but it was just like mm -hmm. live audio conversations. It was huge for like two or three weeks. Yeah. It was very like <laughs> quarantine, right? I feel like that was uh, yeah, peak it was like quarantine. Yeah, it, it really was peak during the pandemic and we were all just kind of holed up in our houses and wherever we lived. And, and I was like full-blown deconstructing and craving conversations. And so really I had kind of started the pursuing life as a blog and then had connected with people and just started having these conversations. And, and there was, we found a lot of other people that were craving these conversations. And then eventually, um, Corlin had started the thereafter podcast. Um, and it was people that were telling their faith stories and their journeys and deconstruction stories. And I was on an episode of the first season and then um, I ended up co-hosting with him for the second season. And so it's really been um, maybe unintentionally just like developing and forming connections and community with other people that have just wanted a place to be seen and a place to be heard and mm. um, finding people, finding their voice and, and navigating this gray space of faith change. So it's been it's been wild in the last year year or so doing this. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, Cortland, could you talk a little bit about how you sort of started thereafter, what the sort of intention yeah. was behind first launching it? Sure. Yeah. I it was it was really like my deconversion was this like really sudden process. I was like in a really toxic, fucked up like cult like church plant situation for several years. And it just got so toxic and so uh life sucking that like I just was like, oh, I don't believe in God anymore. And it was like that fast. <laughs> I, I didn't really deconstruct. I just like became an atheist. And then I lived that way for a couple of years and never really knew that there was a lot of like community around this process or thinking through this. And I kind of missed talking about church and theology mm -hmm. and whatever and so i you know started to you know obviously get into like all the podcasts that were out uh you know a few years ago they're starting to come out and yeah i was just like i don't know why don't i start a podcast <laughs> so so I, I i i started it megan came on as a guest um because we had met and i thought she was incredible and then you know when we were getting ready to wrap season one uh, you know, she was such a good fit. We wanted to do something together. And I was like, why don't you just come on and, and host uh, season two with, with me? And uh, yeah, and now we joke that whatever podcast Megan guests on, she becomes a co-host. So it's like the Santa know, Claus. Magnified yeah. pod, you know, season whatever. Uh, you may Love see it. Megan back. Perfect. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So what do you, what do you know about uh, Christian hardcore for potential season five? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cortland Hell might yeah. know a little something about that. Yeah, I think Cortland's yeah. your guy for that. <laughs> Were either of you, you guys want to talk hardcore, Megan? Furnace Fest last year? Did you guys go? Oh, no. our, our was producer so was there. Yeah, played an important role, but we did not make it. No, dude, yeah. it was so fucking good. I yeah. like, I felt like I was like 
transported back to like 2005. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and and the next Furnace Fest lineup also looks really sick yep. too. Five so. Iron and Pedro will be there. I know, man. I uh, it's yeah the the amount of money to to drop on yeah. it though you're just like oh god <laughs> yeah but okay revive cornerstone and then you got me <laughs> yeah that, right? that was yeah. my jam cornerstone yeah. this is kind of like the new cornerstone it's true except in the deep south <laughs> so that part is harder <laughs> um but it's pretty much like i mean it is like kind of taking the best elements of cornerstone and and repurposing them so yeah it's not pretty just exclusively christian like right. tooth and nail solid state bands you know this right, is right. you're getting kind of the best of both worlds yeah 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 it was but really could... tailored to people like in their 30s and 40s too which is like <laughs> yes really cool they're like here's a place to sit down here's a tent <laughs> you can go cool off in i was like yes. this is great yeah i just these I legs want, yeah i want i want there to be a bunch of chairs just adjacent to the pit so i can sit down <laughs> afterwards yeah it's the yes. ideal yeah could you both each kind of talk about your connection to the scene. I mean, I know Megan, you're not necessarily from the alternative music portion of the Christian music scene of the nineties and beyond that we cover here, but like there are definitely artists from that world that I know you held as important uh, when we were hanging out. We all went to college together, by the way, too, at least Andrew, uh, Megan and I. So that's kind of how we first knew each other. Um, but yeah, I know I like, Portland, you you've played in bands. Like, how has you how have you sort of stayed uh, in touch with that music world uh, from when we were growing up? Now, and like, how does it still play into your lives, if at all, for both of you? Yeah, Megan, you go, and then and then I'll go. Um, well, yeah, I was more like pop, contemporary Christian music, like Jennifer Knapp, and eh, maybe pop isn't the right word, but Jars of you Clay. know. Jars of Clay, but I, I remember your like, big, uh, your big grits head for a while there. I was, Ooh, I, 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 I did the camera for one of their shows one time and I fell in love. Um, but yeah. Sorry, I, brief sidebar. I remember having this passionate conversation <laughs> with our friend, Brian Dirksen, where you were like very into this new grits album. He's like, it's not real hip hop. It's not real hip hop. And you were like, well, what is Brian? He was like Jurassic five. I don't know. Anyway, I just have this like <laughs> distinct memory of you. <laughs> defending grits passionately anyway continue yeah uh grits they i think they were like dancers for dc talk and then they ended up uh. becoming their own band so um dc talk i was i didn't big know into, um, yeah and um but i will say music has always been a huge part of my life and in a huge part of my deconstruction journey has been kind of recovering from how the kind of how a lot of that music held me and held space for me and mm -hmm. then kind of discovering that some of it became toxic for me. Um, and then I started a vinyl collection, um, which I, I tweet about a lot. <laughs> and if you, yeah, uh, at the pursuing life, it's uh, a whole thing, but, um, and I've always listened to like Ani DeFranco and indie yeah. artists and yeah, just yeah. really connected with, um, yeah, artists that were really authentic. And, and, um, I, so when you were doing this show about Pedro the Lion, I came on them later. Like I have their new album, Havasu, and um, my, you know, my seven-year-old walked it on me weeping the other night when I thought she was <laughs> sleeping. And I was like, no, I'm just having a moment with this record. Um, yeah. But I, I and, and I came on Bazan later too. And I, you know, the thing about coming into seeing the authenticity of the lyrics, I, I love 
the music. I love his music. I love Pedro the Lion. But my what I wanted to make sure, it, like I wanted to bring Cortland into this conversation because I am not somebody that that was my journey and that was my deconstruction mm. and that was the voice that that held space for me when I had no other voices. Um, because when I talk to people that have been fans the whole time, their journey so much matches. Bazan's journey and, and yeah. his music really spoke to where their souls were at at that moment. And I, you know, I, I watched the documentary strange negotiations and, and I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. But also like at the time that I started deconstructing, there was, you know, I had the voices of like Rachel Held Evans and all like all these people. And I started right. to have community. I had these clubhouse rooms. I had musicians like you know, Lucy Dacus, um, yeah. who's singing about like VBS and non-believer. Yep. And like, yep. there are yes. musicians out there that are doing that work. And I think his voice was at that time more, um, one of the only voices or there weren't as many voices. And so that's kind of like his music is meaningful to me now, but just not in the same way that I see that it held space for people that have listened to him over the years. Yeah. 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 Cortland, how about you? Yeah. So, so yeah, I was a big tooth and nail and solid state like records guy and spent like most of like my growing up, I grew up church kid, youth group every week and, and then, you know, discovered really hardcore music in the early two thousands was this thing that I was like, fuck, like this is, I had gotten kicked out of a youth group for wearing girl's pants and eyeliner and been told like hey we don't the other parents don't want their kids around you Mm. and so I found this venue in Kansas City called New Earth Cafe which eventually became a a little venue called Main Street Cafe it was in the basement of an old church in Westport Kansas City and they had shows like three nights a week uh, and if you brought, it was run by this little older woman uh, who was like in her sixties named Denise. And she was cool as fuck, uh, like super charismatic uh, Christian, uh, but like super in, like super down with like hardcore music. Oh yeah. And she would, she would let kids bring food because she couldn't really like pay the bands as much to play. And so she would like put them up and like feed them before the show. And if you brought food, you could like hang out with the band before oftentimes. So like every week I was like bringing casseroles and shit and hanging out (laughs) with, you know, you know, showbread and under oath and like (laughs) becoming the archetype and like all these bands who were playing this, uh, this little venue. And so music, music for me was like this, this thing that, that, Bands like Pedro the Lion gave me this, I I guess this hope that like I could be myself, my weird, you know, black hair, eyeliner, girl pant wearing, you know, studded belt self that wasn't accepted anywhere else and, you know, smoke cigarettes and, you know, be cool and still be accepted and loved and, and a part of community in kind of a Christian context. And so, yeah, so that was Pedro for me was just, you know, he's obviously like talking about this stuff. I, I honestly, there was a lot of it that was over my head, 
when I was, you know, in high school listening to most of this music, I was in high school when Achilles heel came out mm. and, uh, you know, there's, there, there was stuff that like resounded with me, but now going back and listening to some of the stuff, like, I can't believe that the stuff like, like was in quote unquote Christian music. Like, yeah, like, it's pretty incredible. I like jotted down lyrics, but we won't get into that. But like some of my favorite lyrics from the first few Pedro albums, but like groundbreaking stuff, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in terms of what themes he was talking about in terms of like toxic masculinity and patriarchy and yeah. like all this shit that like I had no context for at that point. Yeah. And then I got super involved in this like very like controlling cult-like church plant thing. And that was like right around the time it was in like 2007, but I was still in it. I think Cursor Branches came out in 2009. And I remember listening to it, being really excited about it, listening to it and feeling like really sad mm. because I had found this like kind of Christianity that I felt at the time was authentic or whatever and to see him like kind of abandon it i remember feeling like fuck like this yeah. is a person who i always thought like gave me hope that i could mm -hmm. like be in this uh and he 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 didn't stick around he couldn't do it or or whatever uh and it wasn't until like 2013 2014 that I deconverted, you know, became an atheist and I picked the album back up again and re-listened to it. And fuck, it just had so much meaning to me then at that point mm -hmm. where I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I wasn't ready. <laughs> like I wasn't yeah. ready for it in 2009. But once I was, once I was there, I like every single word of that album I can relate to. And I've listened to it probably, I don't know thousand plus times like all yeah it's just one of it's my one of my favorite albums top three for sure of all time i feel like that's one thing that kind of everybody articulates about his discography is like a lot of us felt like we could kind of track with him wherever he was going and maybe in the late 90s that meant um you know within the confines of the sort of christian bookstar alternate universe but poking at the edges of it and butting up against like pointing out some problems, which is something that Andrew and I have talked about since the beginning of the pod. Like the reason that we, part of the reason that we loved MXPX and Fiverr and his kids is what they felt like they were giving us permission to question and sort of butting up against the confines of that world a little bit. And that's, I mean, I loved that about Pedro from the beginning. Um, and like, we've all kind of had different faith journeys and, and, and ended in different places. But like what I always say to Andrew is like, I was always kind of on like, periphery of the evangelical world i was never like on fire for the lord but i was at like a low simmer and the simmers continued the whole time so like i was with him in the early days like yeah fucking point out the problems here man but even for me this person who wasn't on fire i was kind of like oh man dave is leaving his faith like i was like bummed at the sort of solo leaving behind because i was like there's a space between um you know Genesis is a myth and God isn't real for me. Like that's where I was at, but I get why 
and now I'm like, it was silly for me to be like, oh, why, what's this guy's fit? Like, I don't care about where <laughs> I, I care about his art, but I'm like, whatever he believes, I'm obviously like not hung up on, but like, yeah, I feel like it, it articulated something in a way for people at that time that whether it was in the moment and they were tracking alongside him with that break, that it just became this sort of like deconstruction anthem before that became as well-known a word as it is or like as you're saying Cortland people look back on it now and are like that's what I was going through so yeah even as I was tracking at like a slightly different place I always really appreciated his ability to like keep bringing that up no matter what context he was in so yeah I don't know I I agree yeah I mean it's it's like one of the things I I don't know what which album this is what's the one with the drum set on it it's hard to find a friend. Yeah. There's the, 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 that lyric says, I don't like girls the way they are. So yeah. shave their legs and make them look like movie stars. Then we can pretend yeah. it's natural. Like you're like, like I look back now, like, I don't think I got it. Right. Really. When I was in high school and I'm like, fuck, like this is, this is shit that like still needs to be said. And I don't think a lot of artists like there's obviously stuff that I'm sure that he would look back and go like, Oh, I want to change that. Or I would have done that differently, that lyric. And I've even heard, you know, when I've seen him play, one of my favorite things is like hearing him like tweak lyrics mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of his songs. Like I remember him playing, uh, is it foregone conclusions? What's the one where he's like, uh, we could sit down. I tell you why I still believe. Yeah. Right. Change that two way why I don't believe. Yeah. And why I beat it instead of why I need it. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and you see him tweak little things, but in general, like his earliest of stuff still is really authentically similar to where he's at now. He's kind of been saying some of the same shit the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of artists that can look back at shit they put out in the nineties as a Christian (laughs) and go, yeah, this stuff still fucking holds up. 2022 yeah we uh that was very much a lot of our season three was looking back on a lot of these bands and lyrics that are just like oof, we could do with a lot fewer teenage white dudes talking about abortion like pretty much every (laughs) band had at least one abortion song at some point you're just like like, what under like who gave them permission to be like (laughs) like we we this is our issue guys we have to talk about abortion and then of course like the one band that we talked about with a female singer uh last season like zero abortion songs then after that go right (laughs) back go back to right talking talking about abortions but yeah it's 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 amazing to think that when covering uh bazan and pedro that the bummers are of a different variety and not like so much cringing and like this is this does not hold up but like talking about some some heavy some heavy issues and and i've been i was sort of lamenting last week talking about how i wished i had sort of stayed with him because i really think his music could have spoke to the place where i was because I was, because I think if I stuck with Pedro, my journey would have very much mirrored his. And because I think I needed more permission, I needed someone to give me that that explicit permission. Because I I couldn't give it to myself to be able to question 
those things that I felt like you could never, you could never question. And so now I'm excited to get to curse your branches because that is not an album that was, uh, that I've listened to completely. So, uh, I think, I think we all probably have that, that album around the time when we were deconstructing that we remember something that like spoke to us perfectly in a moment that it could, it could have been Pedro could have been really anything else. But, um, I think the thing that speaks to us when we need it is probably more meaningful to me than if needing to shoehorn Pedro into my story. I think it's interesting because like with him, he was able to really continue on this journey with music being a part of that. Yeah. And um, I think about artists like, well, I've become good friends with John Steingard from Hawk Nelson. And, Mm -hmm. and we've talked about that, you know, and, and for John, like music, he had to put it away, you know, and, and it was like music was so wrapped up in his, um, you know, Christian identity that it was like, mm. no, like I, I need to move on. And I'll, I'll never forget. I don't know. Like I, we had like a CCM zoom karaoke, virtual karaoke night. Yes. And, You're going to have to um, unpack this more at some point. Dude, it was yeah, so good. It was, it was amazing, but it was like, really, it was this like post evangelical thing where we just kind of held, like we started it off and we were very like, this is going to be a place where we can just unironically belt out these songs and who cares about the lyrics? We're just going <laughs> to come and we're just going to sing and we're going to enjoy ourselves. And, and it was like a unlocking muscle memory of like yeah. all these songs that had meant something to us. Like, you know, and, and they were ridiculous. Like, like DC talks. I don't want it, you know, sure. <laughs> frequently like, invoked on our podcast. <laughs> SCX is a test when I'm pressed. So back up off of less of that zest and press this brother with the last of virtue. Like these are things that like, they don't, yeah. they don't go away. They don't go no, away. No, yeah. They're in there. Andrew, yeah. you'll have to come to our next one. But well, so John came, John Stenger came and Derek yeah, Webb yeah, yeah. came and, um, they, Derek sang a Rich Mullen song and, and John nice. sang a Hawk Nelson song. And it was unbelievable to see like, hit like he was like i i had to borrow a guitar to play because i don't even have one anymore and and then you know we talked about later and he was like it was so unbelievable to see that music appreciated in a non-toxic way for the first time and i think that it's it's so it's interesting to see how bazan could like continue his journey and just kind of evolve and still have the music evolve with him and not have to walk away altogether. And also like, you know, I resonate, like he, he talks about drinking and marriage and relationships. And, and there's so many other things beyond faith too, that he talks about that I think are so just authentic and honest about, you know, I might not have answers, but life is fucking hard sometimes. And that that's, that's the reality. And I'm just going to sing through it, you know? Yeah. I remember hearing him talk yeah. about like, you know, you're saying he was able to continue with music and playing in these spaces that maybe he now associated with like a difficult experience, but like that he was kind of saying he, he can't not continue to like make music. That's how he sort of makes sense of things. And that he, you know, we talked about this a little last week, Andrew, that like when he began, he was like, the role of an artist is to sort of like shape these narratives. And these are the things that I want to address. And he like slowly learned, like he felt more authentic art was just opening yourself up to whatever and having that be what comes out in the process and that that's like 
what he came to see as more genuine art rather than like constructing something. And that in that process, that's when he started being sort of more honest and personal about his own life and struggles. And so by the time that he, you know, gets to curse your branches and albums after that, he had said like, it's not like I wanted to keep singing about God. <laughs> it's just like that stuff didn't yeah. go away. Like it's not yeah. leaving him. And so his albums will still continue to address it, even if it's like connected to these difficult things. And that's part of his, his journey too, with like strange negotiations, right. Is like, he's still so connect, like his family is very much entrenched in the evangelical Fox news world. And like, yeah. but rather than breaking with it, he's like, how do I maintain relationships with people who I think are like contributing to evil? <laughs> like it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a tricky ongoing thing that he i feel like is wrestling with through his art in an interesting way so yeah I, I that also resonates with me meg yeah i i mean i think one of the things like one of the songs that i wanted to bring up i guess that's like meaningful to me in curse your branches is the lost my shape uh mm -hmm. yeah. that song i feel like so many people feel this like identity loss that mm -hmm. happens and he he associates it with this all this imagery you know, in the beginning of the song saying, like, I feel like, you know, uh, a drinker down at the liquor store waiting to call my sponsor mm -hmm. um, and finishes with this imagery of like, you know, you used to feel I used to feel this like fire burning, mm -hmm. but now I just feel like a salesman looking to close another deal. Right. And mm -hmm. I think what is the what is the very last lyric of Oof, that song? the very last I mean, that's where it really is the chills. That's like a you used to feel like the prodigal returning, but now you hate what you've made and you want to watch it burn, right? That's yeah, what you're, yeah. Yeah, Oof. that's the very end. And it's like, fuck, man, I can just relate so much to that. Looking back and going like, Oh man, I remember this passion and this this fire. And now I like look back and I'm like, I feel this sense of like kind of guilt and shame about some of the shit that I did when I was like, you know, mm -hmm. volunteering for, you know, Ron Luce at fucking, you know, <laughs> indoctrinating kids fest or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's it's, what it's called, right? Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. Catchy name. <laughs> uh, very to the point. You get what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it rolls off the tongue. <laughs> but, you know, and it's like you, you, you lose this entire identity um and so that that whole track of lost my shape really resounds a lot with me you know after being in ministry and you know full-time professional christian for so many years uh and then the other thing about it is is what megan said about about talking about alcohol and talking about relationships because those are two things that are also part yeah. of my story mm. and I appreciate that like the way he talks about it is not necessarily from a, like he's not sober, right? And he's divorced now at this point. And, and so there's not this like, again, like everything that he's done, there's not this like pure, like, okay, I had this issue and I solved it, right? Like Christianity right. was my problem and I gave it up. Right, right, Drinking yeah. was my problem and I gave it up, you know? uh whatever it is you know this relationship strife and then i solved it all of his music sits in this tension of like i still drink i still struggle mm -hmm. i still wonder if there's something fucking out there right and right. i i really appreciate that he just like sits in that tension and doesn't market this like 
oh, I figured it out, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, because there's a tendency to do that even in the deconstruction or post-Christian space to go like, oh yeah, Christianity was my problem. And once I got right. rid of that, I'm a happy, healthy person now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's still butting up against the confines, even of like, now it's no longer the church. Now it's like, what do you, what are you supposed to do in this post-faith space? And he's still like, uh, things are still tough and I'm still <laughs> trying to figure things out. And it's like, yeah, I appreciate that he continues to sort of like push at whatever boundaries he might have to limit him to no matter what the context is. Yeah. And the solution is never moving from one sort of certainty to another. And I think that's the, the rigidness in the box that evangelicalism put me in and put many of us in with like, these are the, uh, these are the answers and need to be careful with which kinds of questions you're asking. And, you know, uh, and you got to push the certain kids out of the youth group because we don't want them influencing the other kids. And, and we can't have the Pedro CDs in the store because of, you know, whatever he's saying this, and then just sort of like pushing all of these different kinds of people to the margins. And, you know, I, I've been trying to uh, fight I, for a while. I, uh, after I, de, you know, deconstructed, I, I went through that sort of um, that, you know, that new atheist phase of, you know, reading all the, the those big authors and then rage like, reading. Yeah. Just sort of like, yeah. And, and I think I needed that for the time. And then I was like, okay, I'm done with that. I don't need that, that because that's not where I am anymore. And it's because I don't want to stay in that space. I didn't want to remain angry. And I think that there's plenty to be angry about, but staying in that, that anger and resentment, like I was already miserable when I was a Christian and trying to figure it out. I, I, I don't want to stay there and I don't want to walk around pretending like I have it all figured out because that's bullshit. And I think part of the, the appeal of, of Bazan and Pedro and, and his projects is the authenticity to be able to say, I don't know, because I don't know was never an acceptable answer in evangelicalism yeah and being able to say i don't know has become like a pretty powerful mm -hmm. thing to be able to say mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i think that there's there's this beauty in the way that his that that bazan's career has existed within and you see it in straight did you guys watch strange negotiations Yes, and in fact, this is a good little plug. Director Brandon Vetter, who uh, made the documentary, will be coming on the show soon. So nice. yeah. check it out if you haven't seen it. Dude, it's so, buy it. Buy it yes, on yes. Amazon or wherever. Uh, I, is there another place other than Amazon? I don't know. I think I that's hate, the main place right now, yeah. I hate supporting Amazon, but it, they own I know. everything, so fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but buy it because you're going to want to watch. I watched it three times, and I yeah. just wept every time <laughs> I watched it. Uh, but there's this, this, this beautiful, like, authenticity that continues in his story because he's still like doing like I saw him at a living room show in Fort Collins like a few months ago and he's still doing this like gathering like 
22 people together and like having conversation and playing some songs and engaging in this like art form that I feel like is like not a common experience. I, yeah. I, I fucking love that. <laughs> Tearing down the walls and having, because it, it, it makes, it doesn't, it not only makes him and the conversations more accessible, but it just makes art more accessible to think like it's art. Isn't just like this person over there on the stage doing its thing that like that like the art sort of becomes the event itself and i think that that it, it's just beyond just the songs it's like it's a it's it becomes communal and i think that it's like what i think uh communal worship could be at its best and what this kind of art sort of for me replaces what I struggled with with worship music because it it like centers everybody in a single place in a single moment to experience something together and that that community of of sharing that that moment and I think that I I'm I'm seeing him uh at the beginning of May at a show not a living room show unfortunately but I hope to be able to experience something like that it sounds get your question ready for the question and answer portion (laughs) It's gonna be too yeah, many people. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, but yeah, it, it, he's he's great at continuing to curate that space of community and of intimacy. So rad for a lot of us who aren't <laughs> in church anymore, maybe craving spaces like that. And yeah, you know, I we were talking about last week, Andrew, uh, "Secret of the Easy Yoke." I basically like yeah. experienced as a worship song at the time. Like that felt like the version of a worship song I could get behind. And these days, it's like bearing witness. The song on "Curse Your Branches," you know regardless of sort of where you are with faith or whatever, like coming to the conclusion that, you know, the, the lyric let go of what, you know, and honor what exists. That's what bearing witness is like that to me is like, Oh, that's, that's worship. That's what does it mean to bear witness? It means to like, we can all agree that this is what surrounds us and what do we do in this world that we share together now? And like, yeah. that's, that's an important call to me. So anyway. Um, what, and I yeah, think, go ahead. well, I just, I think that people, people are so resistant to, following a person and following, you know, a, a big leader, big musician, you know? And so I think that it, it helps with that, that authentic feel and that, you know, I'm, Hey, I'm just, I'm just like you, I'm just one of you, you know? And, and I think like we're, you know, Cortland and I are putting together are part of a group that's putting together an event in Portland in June. And, um, there are some people that are collaborating with us that have some pretty big platforms in like the quote unquote deconstruction space. And as we like sat down to plan together, the people with the largest platforms were like, Hey, like, we don't want this to be about us. We don't want this to be like a panel where we're like the quote unquote experts on something. And we've got like Joe Lumen and Tori Glass and people that do have like a huge following and have some courses on decolonization and deconstruction. But they were like, we just want to like connect with people and build community and, and relate with people and, and, you know, hang out and have, you know, have a space for people. And I feel like that's what he's doing with these shows. And that's what he's doing with his art. And it's not about him as a person. It's about, you know, the connection and the authenticity in the community. Totally. Yeah. I, I feel like people are, are seeking that out and, um, he's providing that through art 
folks like you all are providing that through the communities you're creating and sustaining. And um, it's been very rewarding for us in the MagPod world to share that process with with folks too who are connected to us. So yeah. we have loved having you guys talking through this stuff. I could keep it going for hours, but uh, yeah, Before tell us more we about close, Yeah, 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 go for can, it. Can I ask you guys, what are some of the other artists or uh, things that if, if that's not too much of a spoiler for your listeners, like maybe at least I'm just curious who else you're looking to talk about on this season. We haven't nailed down the entire order yet, um, but we are looking to do sort of a Martin Brothers section where we're co- where we're going to cover some Starflyer, Joy Electric, uh, Bon Voyage, the Brothers Martin record and Ronnie Martin's new album. We're looking at covering some Danielson. Danielson, that's what I was going to ask. Some Anathalo, some Me Without You. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. We've got a we've got a list that we called down from a lot of names and there's a few more there. We'll do some one offs of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you have anybody you think we should absolutely cover, you let yeah. us know. Yeah. No, Me Without You, I'm one of my one of my memories that will be like one of the best memories that I have from my kind of like early Christian music experience was Aaron Weiss came through Kansas city on a, on a solo tour, their biodiesel van broke down in between (laughs) Kansas city and Lawrence on their tour and they couldn't get it fixed. And so they had to rent a van to continue on with their tour. And so Aaron came back to Kansas city to pick up the van and did a house show in Kansas city. And he played just like a couple of that you songs. And then like, just a bunch of neutral milk hotel covers Ooh, cool <laughs> and it was nice. the fucking coolest thing like i will remember it forever he is just aaron weiss is like one of my another hero for sure and andrew and i both have tickets to their farewell tour and neither of us have ever seen them right oh man i just saw them on their 10 year anniversary brother have you seen them i forget i saw okay. them years ago okay. um play with thrice and brand new Okay, Ooh, I, I saw them on that tour. That yeah, was a right. good tour. It was a good tour. Yeah, I'm really pumped. I've, I've never seen them. I've always wanted to. So we're excited to get into that. I should say there's a pod called Us Without Them, if you okay. haven't heard of it, that recently launched, which uh, past guest Joel Harrison co-hosts All About Me Without You. So they, they go into real deep dive over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, very excited to talk about them. Lots to talk there too. Um, but yeah, let us know. Tell us more about the June event. Tell us how folks can find you, what you're working on these days. We've got the podcast thereafter. Check it out. We've got um, some good guests lineup. The Portland event is still coming together, but um, it's just kind of a collaboration and a day to build community. And hey, Pedro the Lion is going to be in town the Thursday before we just realized. So, you know, come out, see Pedro and come to our event on Saturday. And it's just, we're going to be at a brewery. We're going to be hanging out. So it'll be good times. It's on June 4th. And then um, in July, Cortland and I are going to go to Wild Goose in North Carolina. And we're going to do a live podcast recording there and of thereafter. And we're excited. I'm a little terrified that it's going to be so much fun that I'm going to want to go back every single year. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be awesome. And, um, yeah, you can follow us on social media. I'm at the pursuing life on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, really. <laughs> and <laughs> Cortland. I'm Cortland coffee. Uh, I'm, I have one of those names where I never have to be like, I've never <laughs> to fight for a username. So <laughs> Cortland coffee, wherever I'm all over the internet, spacehay.com slash Cortland coffee. If you want to check that out. That's the place to be out here. 
yeah, yeah. Um, it's not becoming <laughs> what's your um what's your zang and myspace uh handles so if people want to find yeah, you there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my uh, my, my uh, aol screen name mm-hmm. we're what's gonna your, do a zang episode your, uh just also how what <laughs> How often were you putting uh, Pedro as like your away <laughs> message on your on your yeah, aim? Yeah, hey, so often. Line. <laughs> One of my favorite podcasts is a podcast called Pod Goes Punk. Uh-huh. Um, a couple of my buddies from the Kansas City music scene do this on on the top pop punk bands, basically albums from in the early 2000s. And they do a segment on that podcast called Zanga Headlines. And nice. so they pick <laughs> out two lyrics because, you know, you could do like a little text on the left and a little text on the right. Sure. And uh-huh. Every episode they do a Zanga Headlines uh, segment where they pick out lyrics. What would be on your your top left? Oh, top, man. Uh, top right. I know. I know mine was something from Achilles heel, but I cannot remember. <laughs> you're like, right you're like. <laughs> accessing things in my brain that like I, i've forgotten about for like <laughs> long buried uh, long very long forgotten long periods of time thinking oh about God. how to perfectly frame the zanga headline mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's an important an important milestone yeah um Cortland and megan thank you so much for taking the time this has been really fun thanks yeah. for having us thank you for having us it's Thank you to Cortland and Megan for joining the pod this week. Yes. It was a delight. Loved the conversation. You all should go follow them on their socials. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even drunk. You should all go follow them on their socials at The Pursuing Life, Cortland Coffee. Check out the Thereafter podcast. Um, follow them wherever you are on socials. Mm. Um, but John... We have to get to this record. We sure do. We have so much to say. We have so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. I've been really excited. You know, I loved going through the albums last week, but mm-hmm. I'm I was I've just been so chomped at this the is another level, baby. This is this is the this is where he he gets in he gets in that big truck, that big, big truck. <laughs> And he just gets on the highway and he's like, we're going to the next level. <laughs> That's right. Let's go there with him, shall <laughs> All we? All right, let's let's go there. We will be right back. We will be talking Winners Never Quit by Patreon Lion. Hey John. Hey. You're a you're a fan of punk, right? I think so. I think so too. <laughs> so have you heard of Small Step Records? Hmm. You know, the name is familiar, but but tell me more. Well, Small Step Records is a faith-based DIY record label with mm-hmm. bands that are melodic punk, pop punk, easycore, emo, and ska. And they have some new albums and new bands releasing records right now on all streaming services. And you should check them out. Bands like Home Plate, which has like an easycore vibes so if you're fans of newfound glory or four years strong you you should check them out you got grandpa loves rhinos 
mm-hmm. which has definitely got like a pop punk vibe going on. Andrew, not only that, Ooh. they are Magpot's first official sponsor. Oh, really? Starburst got nothing on these guys. All mm. right. These guys are the real deal. <laughs> uh, the tagline is love God, love others, listen to pop punk. You can go to smallstepperecords.com, check out the cool records and merch and bands they have, and we will be, through their generosity, offering some giveaways in the coming uh, weeks and months uh, on our socials of some of these Small Step Bands records. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Also, John, unlike some record labels, which may have come up over the course of the podcast, the artists on Small Step always keep 100% of the rights and ownership of their music. Yes. So... Any money that goes to Small Step goes directly back into supporting the bands. That is a huge deal mm. when it comes to supporting artists because oftentimes band puts out a record, they don't own their music. But this is yep. this is a, a, a label with integrity. So you yep. love to see it. Love to see it. Small Step. Check them out. Smallsteprecords.com. Hey everybody, this is Matthew McConaughey. Alright, alright, alright. You can tell it's me by that saying. Anyway, when I'm tired of listening to Dave Matthews bands sometimes, and my feet hurt from walking around barefoot, I like to go down to the pickle and boot shop and just hear Reese and Joe talking about stuff. Like ska. This music is ska. I love it. We're back. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> just that little intro got me so oh god hammering away at that guitar mm-hmm. yeah ding 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 <laughs> you wanted palm muting last week you got some this oh, week. oh i sure do <laughs> we're talking winners never quit yes pedro mm. 2000 that's right our inspiration for our season artwork yes uh yeah, uh, I've got the the illustrator somewhere here. Yeah, illustrations by Steve Reichel, uh, which we aped for the season artwork uh, yep. beautifully by Bruno. Um, so yeah, uh, extremely important record to me. I think I've teased this at some point on the pod that like, well, we're not to our rankings yet, but I'll just say- This is your favorite. Maybe my favorite <laughs> Pedro album, which like, I wouldn't have necessarily named, but as we were preparing for the season, I was just like, this might be like the purest distillation of the Pedro experience here. Um, And I love it deeply. I know a lot of people do. I didn't know that this was your sort of one Pedro album. um, It was my, yeah, it was my one purchased Pedro record. And then I just sort of like fell off for whatever reason. I don't know why, because I, I rocked, and fucked with this record so much yeah and i don't and know i don't know why this and control are sort of the most the two most similar among 
his records may be. I mean, obviously, Havasu and Phoenix have a similar vibe too, but very much in the same lane on the next record. Um, But yes, released March 2nd, 2000, as you said, on J-Tree. That record company originally grew out of DC Hardcore uh, and First Wave Emo scene. Uh, they have released records by Promise Ring and Jets to Brazil, Alkaline Trio, Vale, Cap and Jazz, Fucked Up, all kinds of good bands. And they uh, were bought, or their catalog was bought by Epitaph a few years ago. Um, I don't know, they've reissued a bunch of that stuff. Um, but this is a, a shift for him in terms of labels here. Uh, Bazan played all the instruments uh, on this record, um, engineered and mixed by Blake Westcott at Spectre Studios and by Bazan at Control studios mm. um i think it sounds great it's it much so good. <laughs> cleaner and fuller in yes. sound than anything he's done up to this point um you know it's sort of the last record of his to reside in that sort of emo slow core space um about you know half the record maybe is sort of in that world <laughs> and then the other half is a lot faster and heavier um and i think I loved, you know, all the It's Hard to Find a Friend stuff. As I said, that was kind of my gateway into Pedro. But when he got rocking a little harder is really when I, um, you know, kind of was like, this is my this is my favorite sort of mode of Bazan. Um, but what I like about this, I mean, there's tons of things I like about this record. I have so many notes this week. Um, <laughs> are that I think of it as kind of having like, these songs sort of belong to like three segments. There's like, two acoustic songs that I love deeply and are kind of folky. There are these three sort of slow swirling songs, which you referenced one of last week that kind of just like make you feel drunk and weird. And then there are these three fast and loud songs and they all work so well for me. Um, It's kind of these, you know, harrowing, terrifying stories. Yep. They're often told with like a cheery sound, but have this like haunting quality poking through. So if it's not one of the slow songs, which is straight up <laughs> depressing, it's like telling these stories through a way that's like, hmm, there's something happening where you sort of like sound upbeat uh, right. and <clears throat> melodic and major chordy, but then something will poke through where it goes to like a weird minor chord section or descending melody when a truly disturbing <laughs> lyric or the song sort of twists in a new way. And you're like, oh, this is doing something deeper even than I originally realized um but yeah concept album uh about two brothers uh you'd think this would be (laughs) pretty obvious but two young johnny potter i was still putting the pieces together which i'll reference later Uh, this went over my head yeah yeah when i I was 16 years old i i could figure out here and there that there was like maybe some connecting pieces but the the metaphor of it really did not click into place to me until you know like my 20s well into my 20s yeah um but yeah it's about two brothers one is the sort of favorite son who rises in the ranks of success but is a bad person (laughs) and you know as evidenced by the first song um the other is an alcoholic sort of 'er ne'er-do-well who's arrested for drinking and driving but is looking out for his family and concerned about their approval um and you know the good son you know spoilers ends up rigging an election murdering his wife uh, and when she finds out about the rigging uh, he dies by suicide in the aftermath of that it's a it's very very bleak stuff but i think it's a really effective morality tale and kind of parable as we were saying last week like i think he what what might make this my favorite album is like how effectively 
these really simple stripped down melodies and songs are on display here. I think it just shows off his abilities as a singer songwriter, you know, however you feel about that term. I think he's just able to really put out powerful stuff, even if it seems simple in melody and playing and lyrics on its surface, like it's doing something deeper. And it really leads to these big questions of like, okay, so which is really the good son? What is success? What does redemption look like? How do we think of God and our relationship to God and others in the midst of these questions? So there's a lot to to chew on here. <laughs> yes. For an album that's only eight songs, it, right? it packs in so much. I don't really yeah. feel like there's there's not a wasted song no. on this. It is no. it is so dense and you know, 30, not even 34 minutes long. And yeah, it tells this harrowing story yeah. that I didn't understand and didn't put together. I didn't know it was a concept album when I was mm-hmm. um, younger. And um, I, I just think it, it speaks to how uh, intentional he is in his songwriting that yeah. he's like, he, I mean, could he have made this like, an 11 12 song record but like it's almost like he's like i told the, the right. all the whole story was been told i don't know i don't think i need to add any more songs or whatever yeah but I, I, I just that. think i i really appreciate that that it's not dragged out and there's no like filler tracks with just like a, you know like atmospheric instrumentals to like take you like it's just like it, it just some songs just like start blend bleed right into the next and yeah and i just think it's i think this is coming from you know his his last you know debut lp um Mm -hmm. i'll say um this is quite an achievement yes and which is why um (laughs) i did a bad thing john and you already (laughs) know this i what i do when i get you know research for episodes i was like i wonder what the reviews were for this uh, record yeah. can't do that don't go to pitchfork <laughs> no well the thing is is i i looked it up and i found so first off this pitchfork uh review of this record you will not find on pitchfork it has been scrubbed from the website probably <laughs> because they knew it was a hack review right um and so it's the only thing that you can find is from the the Wayback Machine, mm-hmm. a hack review um, by this absolute idiot, <laughs> Brent Crescenzo. Mm. This was a uh, get him on the pod. Now we will not. <laughs> um, so he gave this album four point one, and Ooh. he says David Bazan tries to build a house of cards with tissue paper on the Winners Never Quit. Here's a quick rundown of the pieces Bazan erroneously wishes to stack. One, he is a Christian rocker. Two, Winners Never Quit is a concept album telling the story of the corruption and redemption of a politician. I mean, wrong. Um, (laughs) Why is that a bad thing also? Like it's, yeah. um, Three, yet this conceptual moral story lasts an epic 30 minutes and eight songs. Um, Again, what's the issue? I, I don't know what the... Okay, four. The first words bellowed on the record are all the way to Grandma's house. Uh-huh. Five, he has a neck beard. Six, he sounds like 
Hayden and writes like Lou Barlow. Seven, his band is called Pedro the Lion. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you you can get into the the I'm not even gonna call it meat of the of the review because it's barely yeah, yeah. three paragraphs. And um if most of the things they're not even criticisms, they're they're just like taking pot shots and cheap shots at yeah. things that have nothing to do with the music. And yeah. I'm just like get so infuriated by this <laughs> yeah. kind of a review because it yeah it's not even criticism it's right it's a hack hit piece it's about not even some... criticism as inspiration <laughs> which we'll get into <laughs> hey on the Patreon oh, this hey oh yeah you're you're just mad because he's a Christian artist right. and uh, or... hey Brent uh, shut up <laughs> <laughs> hey <laughs> here, hey Brent get fucked get fucked um. Yeah, it's this thing that's followed him throughout his whole career. And part of why he retired the Pedro name, I think, is this like, you know, to Jason's point, from the first record, his albums were being pulled from Christian bookstores. And yet people were always like, oh, this guy's a Christian rocker. Like, no, thank you. Right. Um, and yeah, Pitchfork has always been awful to him. He has a song that I sent you called Selling Advertising from his first solo EP, going after the Pitchfork editor specifically. So yeah, I, we, we were texting about this. this. This is raising your blood pressure too much. You can't uh, let Brent live in your head rent-free. I know, rent-free. Um, <laughs> rent-free. I want to live a rent-free life, personally. I, I, so do I. Also, if you need another reason to know this guy uh, doesn't know anything, he gave D. Laust in the Comatorium by the Mars Volta a 4.9. So, yeah it's not fun andrew no it's just not um, fun enough it is not a fun record which hey, everybody's Brent, you don't sound fun buddy <laughs> you certainly do not <laughs> um yeah especially because like listening to this record now obviously there's like these timeless dynamics to it the story is you know from the beginning of time uh these brothers are invoked like Cain and abel style a couple times but like right it feels very prescient also about sort of Trump and Trump types and how evangelicals got him there. So listening to it today, I'm like, it's really revelatory about how power corrupts, you know, whether it's evangelicals or rich people or white people or politicians, whatever. And this like narrow vision, you know, you convince yourself you're right as you're ignoring what uh, Christ actually calls us to. So it's like, we talked about this a little with, um, it was a Craig's brother song, right? Where it was like, you box yourself in, you kind of lock yourself into this um, place where you're like only the pure can get here. And you don't realize you're sort of boxing yourself into like a prison where you're sort of closed off from the rest of the world. I forget what, what song we were invoking there. I think it was Craig's brother where they kind of referenced that a few times, but yeah, just the idea of like this privilege and narcissism uh, and society sort of convince you that you're the good guy. Um, right. This American, um, morality tale where right. he, this good brother quote unquote achieves a success uh, but you know at what's the natural end of that success and at what cost so anyway i find yeah. it very um powerful about how things work today so yeah and it's amazing too that you have this character well you know what Let's uh, should we just get into it. I think we should just get into it because I, it. I can't wait any longer. Yeah, man. Uh, Slow and steady wins the race opening track um, that Brent was very upset about. Um, <laughs> but we'll we'll share our thoughts on this song shortly. One, two, three, four. 
this is my number one. It's my number one um, as well. <laughs> because, uh, which is why like that review to me is just like, it's just so it's like, right. there's so much going on in the song. It's, we talked about this last episode, the sort of the nylon string sound, the simplicity mm-hmm. of the song. Yes. Um, I, I, when I listen to the song, I, I do the harmony with the whole song the whole time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's and the, he, the way he's able to make the song so still very interesting with his, the melody mm-hmm. of just like the single notes at yep. the bridge. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's, yep. it's not like a, a like a hyper complex song, but right. it just holds my attention. And yep. I love the image that he's painting and it mm-hmm. perfectly sets up yeah. the arc of the whole of everything that we're going to be hearing going forward. Yep. Yeah. I have essentially all the exact same notes. Um, it's maybe my favorite Pedro the Lion song ever. Um, I don't know that it, I, I, I don't know if I am including I'm not including Bazan stuff solo when I say that, but I feel like it might be the the perfect sort of encapsulation, as I was saying, uh, for for all the reasons you were saying. It's so simple. It's just him and a guitar. Yeah. Simple guitar parts, but that allows for the power of this fable to really hit hard. Yeah. Um, which seems simple, but again, says a lot and is ultimately such a condemnation of Christian behavior, uh, which is a lot of what this record is about. Yeah. Um, you know, the the first part of the verses of these major chords. So, so confident and happy sounding. Yes. Uh, and then when it becomes clear how sinister we're supposed to be interpreting the narration, it moves into these minor chords and just makes scary and ominous. And yeah. as you said, the whole thing narratively and melodically sets the tone for the record so well that that beautiful and haunting instrumental bridge, as you said, it's just one or two notes at a time, but it's so effective and it holds yeah. you. He's compelling as just a solo singer songwriter with an acoustic guitar weaving the story and actually if you would indulge me for something that i should have told you about beforehand yeah um as much as i love the simple acoustic sound of this version he did this tour ep uh version where he had a band and it sounds really cool with the full band too so if we could hear a little bit of that version of the song i just want to hear the bridge from there so you can kind of hear the the rocker version sure So like, I love the simple acoustic version, but sometimes in my head, I imagine this, like this is where the drums come in and it works so well in both iterations. I just, I love the song so much. That's outstanding. Yeah, it's great. That whole EP is is great. I didn't know that existed, Um, Um, but we need to get to, um, we need to talk about the lyrics at the end of the song because yes this is because again this it, it encapsulates so much of what you will hear about this character this this person who's supposed to be the righteous brother mm-hmm. who lets his brother you know wander off mm-hmm. and um get injured and stray so to speak and mm-hmm. it's just like 
takes no responsibility for him very much you know my my, my brother's keeper kind of yes kind of situation. Notes as well yeah but but the you know when i get to heaven i'll be greeted warmly mm. you know you know surrounded by the angels as jesus takes my hand i'll receive a crown of diamonds i'll get a mansion mm-hmm. you know just like this he's like in his mind he's like he's like i'm just this amazing person all right. these adulations and then you know one one comment that i saw one uh, that i read about interpretation about this like idea that like um you know i won't ever lock my doors i'll trust my neighbors confident mm-hmm. they they deserve to be there in heaven too like this this person was saying like um that you know this the the use of the word deserve like mm-hmm. that just sort of completely misses the point yep, of yep. everything yep. it's like you don't deserve to like right. jesus you know it's it's grace it's not you don't deserve right. to be there in heaven right and right. um so just it's a it's a fascinating fascinating song yeah. and again brent sucks <laughs> he's like song about grandma no thank you <laughs> you pass um yeah it's unfortunate that brett can't see what a great metaphor this is because it's it's so damning it's such a narrow vision of yep. what faith and god can be yes it's, this is still very much i know the american church so many pockets of the american church today and just the american thinking mm-hmm. in general christian nationalism and it's you know in addition to you know being confident that other people will deserve to be in heaven like too he he's even talking about we don't have to lock our doors so like in his <laughs> vision of heaven people still have locks like it just speaks to you're locking yourself into this this holy house to protect yourself from the unrighteous right. and not admitting others without realizing that you're locking yourself in and condemning yourself by doing so um almost and even like the, uh, locking out um selling cds in your bookstore because you're like right. i don't want to exactly. i just want to keep out anything yep. that is remotely yep. challenging or whatever yep and that'll be my my jewel in my heavenly crown mm-hmm. yeah just the idea that even the reward you'll get is this like materialistic gross opulent sort of stuff you know i remember people talking about the idea of like that's another jewel in your crown in, in heaven if you do something for the lord on earth and just what a gross limited idea that is um Cortland mentioned sometimes Bazan changing the lyrics live. And I remember <laughs> during the time of the passion of the Christ being really popular, he changed the line from I'll receive a mansion on the river Jordan to I'll receive a mansion right next to Mel Gibson's, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, anyway, boy, I love the song. Yeah. Let's do podcasts just about this song sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I also have to comment on, I saw this, um, a post on, uh, instagram account that we we've referenced a number of times on on the pod called christian mm-hmm. nightmares yeah and it was a, a church sign that said christians happy easter jews happy passover atheists good luck and cool you know and it's just like jesus said that first right <laughs> yeah it's like who who are you trying to reach right yeah is this is this effective yeah. i understand it's very clever and snarky but right. like, like, again, you're talking, you're locking yourselves in. Yep. You're, yep. you're locking yourselves in and keeping out. You're like locking yourselves in with the wrong people. Right. You right. know, 
I just, yep. it's, it's, it's. So it's, you can impress each other and perform for each other. I know you're just we're, actually we're, being the church. We're all very impressed with how, right. how um, fake pious you are. Right. Which gets to a little later, a later song about just yes. the speaking out of both sides of your yep. mouth. Um, uh, simple economics. get to the chorus here in a bit but yeah i I feel like the chorus is where the song really yes takes off for me well Um, yes but the what he's doing with the drums yeah is so effective for me the the whatever he's doing but whether he's like tapping on the side of the the snare or the kit or something it it's such a small thing Mm -hmm. because he easily could have just done a easy you know right but there's just that tiny little thing and the simplicity of the ning, 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 ning. It's yeah, not, right. it's not much. That's the thing. But He's so not doing much in these songs and it's so effective for me. And it's so, I just get the start of this song gets me so pumped every time. Totally. Yep. Yeah. This is uh this is the first of that kind of, trio songs i mentioned that are more mm-hmm. harder rocking and in each of those guitar parts feel like this where it's immediately mm-hmm. hooky and it gets you excited but it's very simple and i think this song you know it's not it's not in either of our top three but like maybe more than any other song on the record that shows off how good he is at all of the instruments he's playing <laughs> like yes the guitar part the drums as you said the bass part i love all of them and they're all like unique and work well together and are doing interesting things um, but are still maintaining this sort of relatively simple melody and song. Um, but yeah, as you were saying, it, the, the chorus is really where it starts to rule for me. Um, could we hear a little bit of that? Hell yes. Okay. 
so good. Um, so we find out the, the righteous brother is yes. now running for office. He's down in the polls, so he cheats uh, by making bribes, presumably, which is where the diamonds are a girl's best friend uh, and, metaphor comes in. And it's good to know, uh, it's a, it says power can be such a tease, you're always wanting more. It's good to know that just like sex, it can be paid for. So if you yep. didn't if you didn't get the diamonds are a girl's best friend <laughs> right. um, part, it's like, yeah, you can buy power. So right, right. Uh, hashtag campaign finance reform. <laughs> that's, that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> uh, we've sort of just accepted that, that campaigns are fully financially corrupt. Superpacks just became a yep. thing, and yep. people just bought and sold. So cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, still, uh, still prescient as discussed. Yes. Anyway, great song. Yep to protect the family name. John, I'm wasted, bro. (laughs) I can't even understand what's happening. This song is so swirly. I don't think I'm good to drive, bro. Couch. This is the song you referenced last week as making you feel like you're drunk. Yes. Um, which is a perfect way to encapsulate a song about being drunk. Yes. Uh, I, I, again, your mileage may vary on some of these slow songs. I don't find it boring. I no. find it very effective. Which um, is why it's my number three. Okay, cool. Sorry to <clears throat> steal your shine there to name that. No, 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 um, it's, it's fine. There's, I, <laughs> it's, there's a lot that we can say um about the the effectiveness of mm-hmm. you i that's that's the the genius of the song like he could easily make this a rocker but the right. the delivery of the nearly sort of slurred kind of slow mm-hmm. uh deliberate speaking and singing and everything about it is genius but um but you can you can envision this conversation and like yeah like look you know i haven't been drinking i like i've been good and Mm -hmm. you know 
you know, just <laughs> the, the mind of a drunk person. It's like, you know, you can't you see, you can't arrest me because I told my brother I was going to be good. And I'm right. And, right. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's so sad. It's heartbreaking. It's man. heartbreaking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, especially like, so you see, you can't arrest me. It's just like yeah, a right. heartbreaking line. Yeah, he's like, come on, like, <laughs> I could, you, I don't yeah. want to like embarrass my family again. Yeah, I mean, the irony that he's the one, of course, trying right. to protect his family, right? Uh, that his more obvious quote unquote failings are the things oh. that will hurt the family name, uh, you know, and not the terrible things his brother's doing or his parents are maybe doing that he thinks of his brother as being this good example, doesn't want to let him down. It's so, it's so <laughs> sad. It's so sad. Um, and his brother yeah. is the good quote unquote good brother sitting him down being like, Oof. you know, you know, I love you, but I hate your sin. Yep. And yep. then being yep. the brother that the good brother is being the one who's cheating right. on his election and murdering his wife. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. His is a verse two, which we didn't hear in the little clip. Yeah. His brother sits him down and graciously explains as yes. the brother says, yeah. if I'm going to help you, I must make it clear that I love you, but certainly I hate your sin. And it's just what an exposure of hateful, thinking and theology that permeates the church this further pointing out what a gross hypocrite he is and by extension christians in power who say they love the sinner and hate the sin right uh while taking part in more acceptable social sin of obtaining money and power through immoral means so it's just like a perfect distillation of that yeah. for me here yeah and it's nothing nothing has changed in the right 22 years right. that since this album has come out nope but i i mean i i I love this song and even though it's the longest song on the record and it's Mm -hmm. so slow yeah it's still to me is so effective and the way he sings it because it doesn't pick up (laughs) it it just sort of stays Mm -hmm. in this So great. So from that song, things take a turn. Yes. Into a mind of her own.
feel like I just want to listen to this whole song. I know. We're going to have to hear <laughs> the later part in a bit. I know. Um, this is my this number is, two. Okay. This is my number four, just outside my top three. T- tough to make this call. Um, but it's, I, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> um, so yeah, narratively, the other brother's wife learned about the brother rigging the election. Uh, the wife his, of the candidate. Right. Sorry, that was unclear. Yeah. The brother, the different brother than the one we just heard in the getting yes. arrested. Um, and she's going to tell people about it. So he threatens her in a terrifying climax of a song. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, he, he, he again justifies it in this gross, clueless way. You know, he says they perverted the words of godly men for their own selfish gain. And this is the candidate who's, you know, campaigning on moral values while cheating to win and about to murder his wife. Um, but yeah, the part we really need to hear, uh, the build into don't you walk away from me, you yes. put down that telephone, you're not calling anyone. that oh, that man. like don't you walk away from me it's just Oof. like that is yeah it's uh, so scary and violent and the yeah. music reaches this fever pitch and his voice breaks and yeah. uh, man you're like um what's <clears throat> what's gonna happen here exactly and then well, unfortunately also the dear uh, unlock the door you're acting like a child is right Ugh, yeah super gross uh yep. demeaning condescending mm-hmm. also terrifying it, it yep. gives me like de- definitely give me shining vibes we're just like you know i i love you and i'm gonna bash right. your pretty little head in right. you know you're just yep. like oof okay darling darling light of my life <laughs> give yeah. me the pets Right. Very shining vibes. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, yeah. And, and to Cortland's point from our conversation, like this dude was addressing patriarchy and gaslighting uh, from minute one and toxic masculinity in a way that people weren't doing uh, much at all, let alone, you know, in the Christian world at the time. Um, yeah. So if we have any doubts about what happens, uh, it's immediately clear from second <laughs> one of the next song. Yeah. And the um this this part at the end, I think I'm just sort of like in, just imagining it myself. But this uh, this harmonic uh, chord that he's hitting on the mm-hmm. guitar is sort of like it just yeah. oh, it sort of to me sounds like the the dial tone of a. Yeah, I just good. in my mind I like envision like a, a phone like right, hanging right. off the hook. Totally. Just like, yeah, I've always pictured that too. I don't know, just sort of has that like yeah. single note. Right. Because that continue totally. That continues after everything else drops out too. And the end of the song is just like it's so good and creepy. I'm glad you pointed that yeah. out. Um, Oof. And, and it just goes from that intensity 
mm-hmm. right into Never Leave a Job Half Done. Yes. This is my number three. This easily could have been my number three. Yeah. Uh, it's It was a toss-up for me between To Protect the Family Name and, and this song. Yeah. It's, it's, we, it's, it's hard to choose for this record. Totally. We, we haven't gotten to my number two yet, although uh, it was hard oh. for me to choose uh, between A Mind of Our Own and this one for my number three. Those opening notes are so iconic for me, though. It's just yeah. like really big hooks. The guitar sounds great um i kind of can't deny that um yeah yeah. and again it's like very cheery sounding in the verses and the chorus even as we're seeing this grisly scene um but then this creepy bridge comes in where we're we're back to minor chords and it gets really quiet and then explodes again uh if we could hear some of that i know we're hearing so much but uh (laughs) 152 i think is where that is Then we might yeah. need to hear the end <laughs> with a little bit of the uh Yeah, it's so fucking catchy. It's it's, so, like, it's so catchy and so dark. So dark because it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's ending the song with but but it's like so poppy and catchy and it's like after mm-hmm. a song about murdering his wife right yeah i like how you know instrumentally it 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 tracks again the mindset of the narrator where it's like hey you know quitters never win uh never leave a job half done like he's he's got this cheery attitude after murdering his wife and then like the second creeps in where it's like gets very dark and quiet and then he's back to convincing himself with this cheery i'm almost like it's like the sound of the husband justifying it to himself yeah after a momentary acknowledging of the horror of what's happened you know yeah Um, but the 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 part that like rings in my head is in his mind she 
was the one that was wrong. Right. Yeah, she, she almost ruined everything. She almost blew this for us. Right. I mean, <laughs> Thank for God me, I murdered her. Yeah. But because she's dead, but I'm still right. alive. Yeah. Uh, it Man, is I, that grim was stuff. <laughs> that was really close. And I'm like picturing him like <laughs> covered in blood, dragging this body, going like, bah, bah, da, bah. <laughs> it's just like disassociating or something. I know, I right? Know. Yeah. It's, I mean, this idea of like, again, these never leave a job half done, quitters never win. Like, these American sort of mantras and applying them here to the like yeah. disturbing extreme conclusion that like, yeah, yeah, in this case, murdering your spouse is necessary to achieve those ends. So, oh boy, it's a good one. Machiavelli mm. pretty much, you know, and it's just by the means just got to do what you got to do to right. um, live ba, ba, your ba, ba, dream ba. of um, being a corrupt politician, I guess, if yeah. that's your dream. Beautiful. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> I on the finish line. think of this one as kind of like a partner song to to protect the family name yeah um i mean it's one of three slow ones that sort of makes you feel drunk too like we said but here that the desperation we're feeling is is someone on the verge of suicide in a sort of disassociated state as we were saying um yeah and so once again it doesn't i'm not like boy this is slow and boring i'm like boy this puts me in the headspace of somebody who is deluded until the end uh yeah yeah he's just he's, like no one yeah. no one understands what i was trying to do no one understood right, right. me it was just like yeah. everybody else got it wrong but me right yeah he still thinks he's getting his mansion in heaven yeah he thinks of himself as a martyr and the the narrative in the way that the song melodically sort of reinforces that is like it just makes it, you know, it, it, it builds in this really satisfying way to an outro 
that feels like big and effective by the end of it. Um, which I'm going to ask you to play some of that yeah. <laughs> too, at like 302. It's so pretty and yeah. so disturbing it's, at the same time. It sounds it sounds almost like a hymn. Yeah, yeah. The totally. the, the, the melody that that it right. just sounds very hymn like. Mm-hmm. And and but as the lyrics are going, there we're we're exposing just how dangerous you know fundamentalism is, whether it's yeah applied to religion or capitalism or politics, you know. Yeah. how dangerous the combination of all those things is and in the finish line being both this sort of nationalist idea and a christian idea you know like whether it's yeah. a, camp, a, camp, a what am i saying a campaign win or heaven like yeah. the ends justifies the means of however you have to win the campaign however you get to heaven and just how chilling that is yep and just imagine if you had tens of millions of uh followers right. and, right. and yeah, devoted yeah. people who right. uh right just follow whatever you say blindly doesn't matter no thought yep. no thought is your own yep um good times <laughs> great times <laughs> bad things to such good people Another this is tragic, my number two. Okay. Another tragic and haunting song. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's my number two because it's it, it just it's so beautiful. <laughs> like I feel like that opening riff feels so timeless to me. It feels like a pure sort of folk song in a way that yeah. this could have been like a song from the 60s or something. Like it's been around for a long time. And I love the chord progression of it. Um it just yeah, I, I again this is another one that like maybe when I first heard the record, I would have named like the fast ones as my favorites. But right. as I'm listening to it now, the, the two that mean the most to me are the two acoustic 
most stripped down because I feel like they're just kind of the most powerful and kind of lays bare this whole story and these melodies that really move me. So yeah, at this point, the surviving brother is in jail. Uh, the other son has died by suicide. Their one good son now was gone, he says. Um, you know, he imagines his dad or he, he sees his dad crying out to Jesus and saying, but Lord, I've always done what's right. Like, ugh, man, it's just, yeah, it's yeah. such a, <laughs> again, such a like condemning of that kind of thinking and, and heartbreaking again. You know, he says, when we were kids, I did my best to make them proud. It wasn't in me. I could not fly straight to save my life. And yet he's the one who is alive and hasn't <laughs> committed atrocious acts. It's, um, and you know. it's what's sad, to, sad to me is like, for all we know, this brother, this brother in jail, his lone sin was maybe right. alcoholism and struggling with addiction. Right. And, and, but like throughout this narrative, he's like been so concerned about right, the right. other members of his family and like yeah. caring about what they feel and what they think when right. everybody else is like, you know, my brother, he's the sinner and my, and the parents are like, I only have one good child. And like, right. and he's like wanting to do his best and he's, but, and even when he's in jail, he's still yeah. like thinking about other people and trying to do like, it's just, it's, it's a heart, it's a heartbreaking it's, story yes. that like he can never do what he can never do anything good. And like, he's still referring to his murder murder a brother as the good son right right yeah and it obviously kind of culminates in the chorus where it says all the while the good lord smiled and looked the other way right um i feel like the expression of that idea is a bit of a through line through a lot of pedro and bazan work um and again just just saying that regardless of it's whether it's in the the mouth of a, a character is like a pretty bold thing for someone still very much in the Christian bookstore world at this point um, to say. And, you know, it, it, I, I feel like it, it could feel like that to this family, you know, that thinks that they've done all the right things, um, including this brother at this point who has bought into that narrative. Right. Um, it feels like, you know, God is, has looked the other way, um, but maybe takes a different, connotation slightly with the trajectory of the story where it goes in the final song so i don't know i yeah but the fact that the chorus is the good lord smiled and looked the other way is like very i just it's a it's a powerful moment yeah, yeah. um we should hear yeah we should that, that bridge big success because we all know johnny it. potts loves a bridge oh, i sure do gives me chills man his yeah. his voice is going to heights that it hasn't gone to so far in this discography and just yeah. the 
man, the like diggy 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 diggy. He suddenly goes to double time and just oh, yeah. it works so well for me. Boy, I love this album. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, one more here. One more. That was the penultimate and final song. Winners never quit. It's another hymn. bummer closing track yeah yeah this that organ note throughout <laughs> almost makes it feel like a, a funeral dirge or something it does. um again it feels it has that like hypnotizing quality that uh to protect the family name and i on the finish line both do but that descending melody on the chorus again kind of feels like haunting and disorienting um but it does build together this warm guitar comes in for the bridge and then everything kind of drops out to just the voice and the organ. And that, that part is very pretty. Um, I, I take this as the remaining brother being the narrator here, um, yeah. sort of imparting a lesson that, that there's no way to succeed on the narrow path. Um, yeah. That it's better to, to quit, to quote unquote quit, you know, because he's like, to count it a blessing that you're such a failure, your second chance might never have come. So yeah. It, I read it as sort of a happy ending in that way, in the sense that he's he's got a chance for redemption here, a second chance that the brother who was supposedly successful never got. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I, that's how I read it. I sort of like in my mind, in the the the, the movie playing in my mind of this of this story, mm-hmm. I imagine this like. <clears throat> long slow pull camera pull out from Mm -hmm. a a dejected sad brother in prison Mm -hmm. like talking about how he's counting it counting it as a blessing right that he's there yeah and it's just like and he's like 
alone, but you know, <laughs> he's but he's alive. He's alive and he was the success worth it. Right. Right. Um what is success? Yeah. yeah. I, man, I like that. I like that movie you're making. Let's make that movie. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. It's obviously, you know, it's a, it's a bummer ending. It's a bummer yeah. story, but I appreciate that. Like, he's not like, it doesn't close with him. Like, boy, and I really screwed everything up. I'm the worst. He's like, maybe I have not been the bad brother here. Um, right. So that realization feels meaningful. Um. Yeah, I really, I, I know that this is a meaningful record for a lot of people, but I really hope um, that we can hear from folks about what this has meant for them too. I hope it means as much to, to some folks out there as it does to me and to us. And I have been so excited to dive in and I feel really uh, pumped up in a, in a depressed way after listening to yes. this and talking through it with you. So let us know what you think at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or review. If you read us, you know, a fun little snappy, funny, whatever review, we will, we will read that on the pod. Do that over at Apple Podcasts. Uh, email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 8727-MAGPOD. You can support us at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod, where you'll find bonus episodes such as this week. We're getting into the only reason I feel secure EP. Uh, you'll get access to the Discord, all kinds of fun stuff. And we have a new Patreon punk to welcome. Oh, shit. Welcome, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks for joining the ranks, the Patreon punks. Uh, you can also pick up some sweet new season four merch aforementioned at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. We got season four artwork. We got werewolf reclamation project artwork we got phantom cackler artwork you can find that on shirts you can find season four stuff on posters and mugs it looks dope and, and once again thank you to dustin kent uh at d lee kent d-l-e-e-k-e-n-t on instagram for doing those uh magna fright pod phantom <laughs> cackler and werewolf reclamation project designs which are absolutely amazing we might we'll expand our uh, our shop repertoire as we go through the season here but yes. there's some cool stuff to pick up now so check that yeah. out thanks to small step records for sponsoring us go to smallstepbrecords.com to learn more thanks to shadow producer jason and bruno at unoriginal vinyl for our artwork well i think i hear the voice of the spirit begging us to shut the fuck up we'll be back to try to make you go astray next week when we'll talk to brandon vetter the director of the david Zahn documentary strange negotiations which you can rent or buy on amazon prime one two three four Grandma's house sounds dumb. 4.1. Does this guy have a neck beard? <laughs> sounds like he's got one. Sounds like he's a Christian rocker. That's lame. <laughs> uh, Pedro the Lion. Was this a kid's song? I'm a big boy. <laughs> I don't I'm like a, that. I'm a grown. I'm a grown boy. I listen to songs by by men. This this guy is talking about in this, in this album sounds like a pretty good dude. I didn't, I didn't see. I didn't think he did anything wrong. <laughs> oh, his wife. His wife. His wife should have listened to him. <laughs> oh, that's so good. What a good grandma. <laughs> I mean, I think she's the hero in the story. In reality, where's where's your brother? By the way, I don't know. This looks great, though, grandma. <laughs> Thanks for I the hope she went to look this. for him or something. <laughs> yeah, right.
Yeah, cake we, I need good. I need a I need a, a follow up record that's just about the grandma. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't grandma, know detec- like grandma detective agency. Well, that that sounds pretty good. <laughs> grandma detective agency. <laughs> yeah. Dave, get she, at us. She she goes into the police station and she's like, "I've made you some cakes, dearie," and they're like, "Oh, thanks, lady." And like she sneaks in, like does some mm. investigation. She's it's like, "Good stuff." She's actually a spy. Yeah, this is a spinoff of your movie. <laughs> For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.